We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 206 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams for Tech Tuesday. How are you, Bruce? Healthy and alive. Doing well. I understand you. It's a little warm down where you are. Yeah, we had to uh, turn the AC on and uh, we're still in February as of recording. So, um, yeah, they warm. 80, 86 today. Global warming. I think that's what it is. Is Are yeah. they finally are they finally right about all their predictions that they've been incorrect about? Are they finally correct? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, yeah, uh-huh. Totally, totally correct. It's um, going to be back down into the 50s, though, here in the next couple of days. This is just kind of like one of those little heat waves that happen. Not unusual. We've actually had this in the past where it got warm like this. And then like a few weeks later, we had a foot of snow. So uh, this is normal weather here in Oklahoma. Fair enough. All right. Uh, where should we start today? Uh, let me see. Pro Actually, yeah, let's start here. Did you have your AT&T service affected? Um. I personally don't know because I don't use my um, phone very often for phone calls. Um, but I, I did see that there was some kind of error or something that they were software errors, what they claimed. Um, yeah, they were updating some things. Service. Yeah, they, well, first it was it was reported as a cyber attack, but then they said no. AT and T finally said after twelve hours or sixteen hours or something like that, they said no. We failed to do something during a software update, and that's what caused the outage. Well, pro-Russian hackers claimed responsibility for it. Uh, did they specifically say what was the outage? Like AT and T said, okay, yeah, it, it was our bad. Um, did they say? What exactly they did wrong? No, and they're not going. Did it to. make any sense? No, they didn't. They they weren't very uh, forthcoming about what the actual problem was. They just said that it was a software problem on their end, and they're very sorry for all the disruption. Yeah, I mean, you get a five dollar credit if you had outage. So there, there, there's that. Five dollars, really? Yeah. What will that get you now? Uh, yeah, it might give you what a coffee. <laughs> Back in the day, it would get you five items off the dollar menu at McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, for that matter, you could you could have just said one meal plus travel expenses, you know, and it would have got you at least that. That is true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there was an outage that left 70,000 stuck in SOS mode uh, last week. And they said, well, yeah, it's, it's just a software update. We're real sorry about that. Uh, it won't happen again. Oh, if you were affected, let us know and we'll credit you five dollars, five dollars. You know, 
AT&T, I had AT&T for a while when I was over there, and it was one of the more expensive ones. It, not quite as bad as Verizon. Verizon, I think, is the worst as, as far as like pricing and stuff. But AT&T was pretty high. I remember I was paying somewhere around 65 a month or something like that. And this, is, this has been a good number of years ago. And that was just for one line. I didn't have anything special attached to it. I just had some data. I mean, I had, I had a BlackBerry. You had to get the BlackBerry plan to go with it. Mm-hmm. But I remember back then... $5 of a credit on a phone, even then, that was ridiculous. That was a joke, yeah. even now. Yeah. And I know I know the prices are higher even now. The telecom prices in the US, they have come down, but they're not where they should be. I still think they're, they're a lot higher than what they should be. Even if every single one of their customers were out of service that, and they, they gave $5 to every single person, that's $500 million. Their revenue uh, as of 2023 was $118 Five hundred million isn't really that much um, when you look at it in that sense. No, they'll um, make it back in profit margin the next year. It, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, five dollars is is pretty piddly. Uh, even even for us, like uh, we are, I, I I do have AT and T, and it's like you know one of the family pan, plans. So there's like four of us on there. Uh, it's still like sixty bucks a phone, uh, roughly. So yeah, five dollars isn't that's not gonna that's not gonna do much. Well, I would say find another cell company. Maybe if you got problems with AT and T, I don't know. They they were one of the more reliable ones. Um, I I had one of the, yeah. I had a different um I had a different provider. I was with Sprint. I, I went with them, and I know that's one of the the networks that was you know not very good. It was only good if you were in like a city. And I was jumping from city to city, and, and of course traveling on the major internet interstate systems. But I had a special kind of a uh, of a BlackBerry back then. It was a it was a World Edition. It was the only one like it from any carrier. Verizon didn't have it, as far as I know, or maybe Verizon did, but AT and T did not. However, it was the only one at the time that had a SIM card in it. This is before the SIM cards, right? Before the, the SIM card days. It was the only one that had a SIM card in it and it allowed you to roam on all of the other networks in the entire country. So I would be out in the middle of nowhere and I would still have service and people would look at me and say, how do you have service? And I'm like, I have Sprint. And they're like, that's not possible. You know, somebody would be standing next to me and have AT&T and I'd be on a Verizon network and they'd be like, well, how are you doing this? They don't yeah. make phones like that anymore, unfortunately. That was the only one. No, it, well, nowadays um, all the providers use the same. Towers. Do they switch? Did they switch? Did they switch now? Because you had you had a frequency difference between uh, GSM and CDMA. Did they switch? Because T-Mobile was on a different network. I thought they more or less are are. I I think they're more or less on the same towers nowadays. Because uh, if you look at like the coverage maps for all the major companies, they're all exactly they're the, all same. the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And even even the the startups, because uh, I know of one startup uh, like Patriot Mobile or something like that, they're the same exact coverage as all the others. So, I mean, there's there's other companies out there that they, they basically my understanding basically is now it's you basically are renting towers or, or you're you're leasing use of the tower and someone them. else owns it. Yeah. And I would I would assume if you were to look behind any of that, you'll find that Verizon and AT&T own all of them. And More other less, companies yeah. just lease. Now, I do recall back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Nextel was their own system. And that operated on a completely different system. That was outside of everything else. That operated on something called, um, I want to say it was uh, an IDN system or something like that, whatever that frequency was. And it was only their towers. You could only use their towers. You couldn't use any other network. If there was no Nextel tower around you, you it wasn't happening. You, you weren't getting any service at all. I think... Was it Nextel or was it um, IDEN? Uh, IDEN Network was what it was called. IDEN, yeah. 
what was it nextel or or like t-mobile or whatever that had the um uh the walkie-talkie feature nextel i had nextel for nextel. a long time i okay. loved it right. yeah, it was, yeah it was amazing all right and the the I worked for a company. We use that because the it it worked so well with the yeah, offices being an service. hour apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah I loved it. it. Nice. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Right. Uh, moving right along here. Um, lunar landing. Uh, Do we actually land on the moon? Have we landed on the moon, or, or is it just some hype and and just some nonsense? Because I saw the <clears throat> landing quote landing, and it was CGI. Yeah, they so um, Intuitive Machines, I believe, is the the company that um, is running the um, Desis project. It landed um, Thursday, so that had been February twenty second, I believe. Uh, they just released today. I think they released images of the craft landing, and it's it's from uh, one of the modules called. It was like Eagle. Uh, let me see if I can find it again. Eagle Cam is what it's called, and it was supposed to be released. Uh, before the the lander touched down and it was supposed to give uh, an image from the moon surface of the lander landing but because of uh there was some errors and whatnot it wasn't actually ejected uh on time so the module is still on the craft but anyway they gave a fisheye view of um the the lunar lander on the surface of the moon uh so it, if, Did it if it's over, believed though? Because now they can just say, oh, well, sorry, it tipped over and there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, it does say. Um, but if you look at the if you look at the um, if you look at this, if you look at this photo, it, it's not tipped over. It's landed. I, yeah, I, I believe the one of the photos is just before it lands. Yeah. Um, before it actually touches down. But apparently the company executives did believe that or currently believe that the lander caught its landing gear sideways on the surface and it tipped over. So apparently they do believe it tipped over, but none of the photographs that they've released so far show that it was that it, it is currently tipped over. These are all probably just before landing. Yeah. Um, my understanding as well is they're having difficulty with communication because it's on the, the moon's south pole and um, they basically they have like a week before it goes dark, uh, you know, because of the whole orbit and everything. Um, so the it's going to lose power uh, pretty soon. So they have a week to fix it and get those pictures and if there's any video uh, uploaded to uh, Earth. Now, here's the other question. Is this a rover? No. Because I see no um, wheels. What What is the purpose of this? This one's a land. This one's just a lander. And apparently it's carrying 12 uh, government and uh, commercial payloads. Um, it looks like six of them are for NASA. What all they do. I'm not seeing anything in here about what they do. Uh, or what the well, overall the good news is. is the good news is even if it tipped over, the good news is it didn't crash. It did make a successful landing. That is the good news, right? It, that is the silver lining in all this. I mean, a silver lining. Um, this is the first private company ever to land a uh, lunar lander on the moon. But Musk is salty about that. I, I maybe maybe not. I mean, his goal has always been Mars. So uh, he, I, I mean, he's the. He's the first one to launch a car into space. So, I, I, I mean, you have different titles. His I actual I car, too. His car. Yeah. As like, yeah. he stripped it down and, and it's actually orbiting Mars at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, congrats on the landing. Uh, it did tip over. So, I mean, it's a success, but a failure at the same time. It kind of feels like it, it feels reminiscent of the, the early days of, of like lunar landings and stuff back in the 50s and 60s when we were kind of playing with those ideas and we had all the setbacks and then, you know. Um, yeah. That's kind of what it feels like is it, this is uh, it feels like they're trying to reinvent something we've already done before. Um, but it, it 
I mean, they're a bit rusty. We haven't done this in a while. So I guess you expect uh, some kind of failure when it comes to technology. Yeah, of well, that's how we learn, right? Um, now, speaking of advancing in t of technology and failure and learning, where do you think that China stands on the robotics portion of things? Do you, do you think they're actually going to be robots made in China that are going to be successful? Or do we think that we're going to be looking at more of... Uh, Boston Dynamics, Elon Musk, you know, that, you know, Optimus robot, that kind of thing. Do, do we think, I, I mean, I, I honestly believe that we're going to make a superior product. I, I always believe that. But as well, far that, as, yeah, go on. I, I just want to jump in and say, uh, what are you defining as made in China? Are you well, meaning I'll show you. made I'll show and designed you. in China or are you yes. just meaning manufactured in China? No, made and designed in China made by Chinese robotic China. companies. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're going to they're going to be like those Chinese steel tools. Um, it's going to not be that great. You mean you mean they can't make high precision parts? Is that what you mean? Uh, well, they can make high precision parts. It's just the materials um, are junk. They fall apart. The, it's actually funny, you know, the gas turbines that they make to give to the Russians to help them because we left, right? We took all of our gas turbines with us, uh, which are, you know, owned and manufactured by Rolls-Royce. We actually send the maintenance to Russia, or we did. <laughs> we don't anymore. Well, the Chinese decided they were going to copy those gas turbines, and they don't work. So there is that. Hmm, that's just a that's just a shame yeah, that they can't they just, get them to work. They just, yeah, they uh... just will not work. Yeah, it's funny that. Uh, but anyway, this is China. All right, 60 Minutes did a piece on, on China and their robotics industry and how this is going to look and what they're moving forward on. China is also developing a humanoid robot industry. Look at that. After lots of years, it's coming true. Alex Gu is the founder and CEO of Fourier Intelligence. Hi there. Last year, he launched the GR1, his first generation humanoid. We can do arm, you can swing the arm. Yeah, you see? Oh, look at the fingers. Oh my word. Can he play the piano? Yeah, future, definitely in can. In the future. <laughs> also in the future, he says, the robots could provide health care for China's rapidly aging population. Maybe we can, for example, we can remote control such kind of robots to help my grandpa, for example. Yeah, I think. Yeah. President Xi, who visited this company last year, has called for the mass production of humanoids by 2025. What do we think? I mean, they're, they're doing better than I am on my robotics designs. <laughs> we'll put it that it's way. It's still made which in is to China. Say I have nothing. It's mass produced. Yeah. They're still made in China. I imagine they're going to be like the, the EVs they have there. Um, they'll be parked and explode well, they are randomly. Have to yeah, that's true. They are going to have to do something with their uh, lithium market that no one's buying now. We've kind of left them hanging out yeah. to dry on that one. And you know, another another one bites the dust. Uh, Mercedes Benz has said, yeah, we're going to we're going to quit this EV thing. We're not going to make any more of those. And they have ramped up their internal combustion engine production again. That's actually a good point uh, when it comes to batteries. Uh, what are they going to do for battery packs for these? Uh, because you're going to run into the same issue that you're running into with EVs is we don't have enough lithium to provide for an entire workforce that's going to be even just the medical industry that's uh, going to be machine like this. You've got to have some kind of battery pack and it can't be lithium. You're just not going to have the amount of lithium you need. So I'm curious where this is going to lead. Honestly, it's possible that the 
the founder is well-intentioned. It, it, it started out. It could be, yeah. could be, I don't know what it, I, you know, I be. don't know the, the whole intention behind that. I just, it's, he's going to be involved with the CCP. They, obviously they have their hands in it. So I, I just, I have well, no trust in w- w- what they're going to throw out there. The Chinese business model, and I say that very loosely, the Chinese business model is you have to have, I don't want to say a political officer because that's kind of referring to what their military is like, but that's what they do with their businesses too. So if you're going to be a business in China, then you have to have a CCP board that administers that business because you have to follow the politics, the the, the Maoist, Leninist, Marxist politics of things in order to do business. The politics comes before the business does in China. This is why they can't build successful businesses without taking them from us. And that's what the bottom line in this is. Um, I, I I just don't see this. I don't see the business doing well because of the CCP's involvement. Um, it, whether or not uh, they'll make a good product, they're, they're being really um, adventurous here, uh, uh, trying to say 2026, uh, two years. 2025 is what she so 2025 2025 oh, okay. and 25. and this that that's that could be interesting if if they still have the deal do we know if they still have the deal with Nvidia did they still do the uh, the Nvidia deal with the AI thing because you know they're going to incorporate AI and and the algorithms into the minds of these things right um I know Nvidia well Nvidia is doing a lot of stuff with AI yeah and their stock just went through the roof because they just made a major advancement on something I mean they're they're intending to bring AI to every single industry. Uh, Nvidia is. They're they're no longer trying to be just a video card manufacturer, though. That's kind of their big lion share uh, involvement. They'll still keep it. It. I think that'll oh, yeah. become like a side thing for them. They'll they'll keep it. It'll just be like a division for them. Yeah, it does uh, seem that they're going down that road. Though uh, with that, real quick, I did notice that uh, AMD came out with a new card uh, recently that competes with the uh, forty series. Um, RTX. Yeah, I'm actually, and I'm I'm curious about that. Uh, you know, because I, I I'm always curious about when a new heating uh, element comes out. Um, <laughs> I I always I always wind up AMD about that. But I'm actually curious about these, and we can talk about this for a few minutes because graphics cards are a big thing now, and it's not just for gaming, right? That that is kind of like the core of what these things are developed around. But you also need these big video cards to do audio and video work. You still need those to do. I mean, for us to do like what we do here, we need video cards, you know, these big video cards for that for that kind of stuff. And with the way things go now with people doing online stuff and and doing online content and everything else, this is a a good market to to have a discussion about are, are these video cards and these other these other components. And I'm happy to do that. One thing I want to discuss I'm curious about uh, the upcoming, I think we're in, we're coming up on Gen 2 of these Intel Arcs, uh, these graphics cards. I, I'm a big fan of Intel. I love their chips, their, their CPUs, their, their computer processors, and they're just now getting into the graphics card game, and they're trying to compete with NVIDIA, and they got a whole bunch of uh, NVIDIA expats, if you will, signed up uh, at, micro- at Microsoft, at Intel, to develop these things. And to be honest with you, when I look at the benchmarks, and I know you've probably looked at a lot of these too, and and when you and I were sitting down looking and, and uh, doing a new build for a project that I wanted to do uh, in the future, I'm really considering one of these things, but it's first gen. I want to wait to see what they have. But as far as um, tit for tat on NVIDIA, they're pretty close. They're they're hitting the marks already. Yeah. Uh, Intel, AMD, and, and for half the NVIDIA. Price. For half yeah, the price. They're all, they're all kind of in the same range as far as performance. Um 
more or less. Uh, you're honestly, you're going to see just a few, maybe like 10 frames or, or so difference between the uh, equal cards, um, you know, the, the flagship cards, if you will. Um, but the arc, as you said, uh, when they when they kick out the Gen 2s, I'm, I'm curious to see what they're uh, what they're going to produce uh, for cheaper. I mean, if they can produce a card that's uh, on par with the RX series or the RTX series, um, then yeah, that's that's going to be a great boon for people that use the beefier video cards, whether you're a gamer or your video audio produ uh, productions, or if you're crypto miner uh, or uh, into AI, because, you know, the uh, graphics cards do calculations better when it comes to um, uh, AI and uh, crypto. So that market is uh, uh, intriguing. The the one catch, though, we're coming close to the physical limits of what a circuit board can do. Uh, that is the distance that um, or the, the size of a transistor. Um, they can only get so small physically. Once that limitation is reached, there's not really anything else you can do physically uh, unless you're doing what amd was doing and doing like the multi-layer um you know they did like a 3d version of it so that their the transistors are being stacked on on top of each other the problem is there you have heat problems and uh, yeah um so the this stereotype that amd cards run hotter these cards do run a little bit warmer uh but once that limit's reached we're gonna have to go somewhere else with our um circuit boards we're gonna have to figure out a different medium you know, if we can get graphene off the ground, that will replace all silicon-based chips, right? Theoretically. Potentially. Uh, yeah, potentially. That that If we could get graphene and some other kind of... Um, I, we've talked about it before uh, in, in learning, um, uh, looking into various materials and whatnot. If you, could, if you could get the market of synthesized diamond off the ground and you could produce uh, large quantities those. of that easily... We do, but to produce them in the sizes I'm talking about... You could use graphene and diamond together and create a um, computer chip that does not need any kind of heat sink because literally the card itself is a heat sink. Uh, and that would that would you would have um, greater speeds with the graphene because lower um, uh, resistances. And then uh, diamond is an insulator uh, for electricity, but it's um, it transmits heat very well. Uh, it's like it's like one of the top ones uh, as far as solid materials. That would represent a very serious uh, advancement in things. And you know what? We wouldn't need the industries that we currently have, as in we wouldn't need the silicon based chips that would put all of the I think a lot of the hydrocarbons, a lot of the rare gases, rare elements and silicon elements, uh, silicon based chip elements, I think uh, for us to. Um, how did Marty put it? Uh, to dope those uh, those particular chips, you know, to create them, which a lot of that, a lot of those rare gases actually come from Russia, uh, oddly enough, for those, uh, and we wouldn't need that anymore. That would that would be a thing yeah. in the past. That's gone. Yeah, you would still need some. Uh, you would still need some to to because they they coat the the cards and put like a pr protective coating over yeah, it. Yeah, sure. You would still yeah. have something uh, for a protective coating, uh, but more or less, yeah, that that would be. Uh, the end of uh, God, the, 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 the amount microchip of... industry would be go like, forget, forget Taiwan with with microchips. You wouldn't need it. Yeah. Let this let the CCP have it. Yeah. At, at that point. And and if you go the diamond route, um, you could the diamond graphene route, you can take garbage and turn garbage into diamonds and um, graphene and use that for circuit boards. But, you know, we're talking that's really hypothetical. 
if that's they go the diamond graphene, that's a lot that, of that's energy to be used. A lot of energy, but it would also mean that uh, computers would be more efficient energy-wise. Uh, but if we're going the diamond route in that case, you're probably looking at uh, crystalline-based storage um, for uh, the computers in the future. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go with uh, circuit boards. Maybe uh, look at going biological and using, you know, using some kind of genetically engineered, you know, bio computer, a mix between machine and uh, bioengineering. That's the only way that I really know that they, they would go. You would still run into the issue of uh, transmission speeds, because if you think about the uh, one, your brain is like 80 milliseconds behind whatever you're seeing and hearing, you're actually processing in the past. So as you're listening to us, the words that you're understanding is actually about 80 milliseconds behind when you're actually hearing it. Um, kind of a crazy concept. But then you have the transmission if you're like moving your hands or something like that. There's a delay between the signal being sent and getting to your fingers. And that delay is actually a lot less than what, or excuse me, it's a lot longer than what uh mechanical based signals are your computer has like at most a four millisecond delay between any information being sent in between there you, you're that that's way less than 80 milliseconds for just processing information that seems like a, a crazy crazy advancement I, i'm actually i'm i would love to see that but let's be honest with the current ruling class we have in charge do we really see that seriously do, do we really see yeah, that coming out of people like Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum? I don't think so. Well, even even the the government, if they can't get involved um, and make money off of it, they're not going to allow something to uh, you know disrupt Seriously. their technology. The, the government? Are you kidding me? A, gov the, uh, a group of a group of halfwits that come out of uh, sausage factory universities that know nothing, that can't manage a lemonade stand, are going to create what you're talking about? I don't think so. Absolutely oh, no. not. No, no, they're going they're going to block it. Is what they're going to do if they can't see a way to profit off of it then uh, they're not going to allow that to exist. Yeah, I mean, look not. at the solar Well, they need to make sure industry. they need to make sure that they get their investments in those startups first. Then, mm -hmm. then they can get the legislation going to make sure that all the money gets funneled to them. Exactly. And that um, that's going to spell the death of whatever the industry is. Indeed. All right, my friend, you got anything else today? Not offhand. Uh, yeah, I had a few other things, but no, we covered uh, pretty much everything. We will go ahead and call this one done. I'll see you later in the week, my friend. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening.